0: Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello and welcome back to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. I say welcome back because this is part two of our TG2 Cars and Stripes podcast special doubleheader just came up with that. Joined by (laughs) Rowan Horncastle. Hello. And Jethro Bovington. Hello. And if you want to hear Jethro's very articulate intro to himself, you can go back and listen to part one. Do you want me to just go again? No, let's not do that. Um, We shall just crack on because we're basically we're working our way through this series. And we've uh, we're on to episode three now. So there's two films per episode. And in this one. Uh, This is where I drive, and I have to be very careful right now. Uh, I feel the The lawyers amassing at the door over there. Um, So I drove um, the ultimate off-road 911 that was built for a very wealthy and generous customer by Singer and Tuthill
1: Porsche. Well done. Did that... Is that what the badge says on the back? Yeah, it's long. long.
0: It's kind of poking out either side. It's like a
1: 2.8 <laughs> Injection Gear X or whatever back in the day, <laughs> Granada.
0: Yes. So um, I say very wealthy and very generous owner because there, there will only ever be two of these cars. Um, the one that we drove, so it's the kind of the more overtly off-road Baja spec, if you like. And then he's also commissioned a uh, a more sort of road bias one, um, it's a bit faster, uh, Not the ride height's down a bit, um, different tyres, etc. Um, and that's it. There, there won't be any others. So if Singer um, designed an off-road 911, this is what it would look like and and Tuthill engineered it because Tuthill Porsche, if you don't know, they're the sort of experts in, in rally 911s, really.
1: Yeah, they build uh, all sorts of rally 911s, modern ones, old ones for the safari classic etc that they are the guys so there's only ever going to be two is that because no one else wants one or because it's just incredibly precious and brilliant uh,
0: I think they may have got embroiled in various legal issues <laughs> around... I don't know. I think there's always, without wanting to put my... There's always slight tension between uh, Singer and, and, and Porsche and what you can call their cars. You know, when we drive, um, we've driven a load of um, 911s reimagined by Singer. Hey, you, are <laughs> you
1: are on it! on
0: um, it! In the past. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's always this sort of tension between the two companies, especially now because Porsche um supplies engines for sing. Sing. Yeah. But yeah. also
2: when this was first announced, it was just before the Dakar had yes. been announced. So, yeah, so I think yes that's a very good two point. Two yes, yes. Comms team. So let's
0: should we push that all to one side before we get shut down? Yes. Um and just get on with the car because it uh, massive scoop getting hold of this proper world exclusive. Um we actually did a a sort of walk around video Quite a few years ago, when it was first shown um, at Tuthill's Hills headquarters in Oxfordshire, I just poured over the details. It's it's a, an amazing, amazing
1: thing.
2: Um, well, do you want to break it down for us? What is the AC? And it's this most nice basic thing?
1: And this was the very first shoot, right? So I wasn't i hadn't even arrived and you were shooting the most expensive car i guess we were so so potentially you were finishing the series before it even started yeah the, the the jet lag was still real at this
0: point you know still stung um so we had yeah we had landed and then made our way to i can't remember the name of the the town we were staying in. began with the y but out near out near johnson valley and, uh, oh Yucca Valley.
2: We Yucca Valley. Yeah, that's, that's we the one. In. No, but know because I, I this is all a bit of a blurb because I was still in shock by the insurance uh, <laughs> that we had to try and sort from this situation. We can't disclose how much this car reimagined. Well, by I say the in the film it's, it's worth, worth
0: millions, many, many millions. Many so millions, let's let's yeah. leave it there. I, the truth is, I don't think anyone really knows what is a car worth. It's it's. Um, There's how much.
1: (laughs) No, there's how much. I'd love this speech to go to the insurance man. Who really knows what it's worth? Who even knows what this car could be worth? You're claiming
0: it's worth that many millions. I say it's worth 20 quid. So let's meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. No, but... um, Uh, no, to what basically, you know, we, we, have to, we have to insure our own cars. The BBC has an insurance department and the more expensive a car gets, the more expensive the insurance gets. So that's, that's pretty basic. Um, they fell
2: off the chair, their chair with this one when we yeah. said how much um, it's worth and the premium uh, they came back with was, was pretty extreme.
0: And so the shoot was off basically,
2: because, um, believe it or not, um,
0: our budgets are tiny. So we got lucky. We got a break on this one, didn't we, Roe?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The owner then dug into his policy, and then, America, being American, having different insurance rules, in his policy, there was a line that said, ah, journalists are covered for editorial purposes.
0: Specifically said... That's incredible. You're covered for
1: journalists shooting editorial content on your car full stop so all bets are off you could just drive any yes. way you wanted not even have a care in the world for this car's value yeah. or Which its was, owner who it was standing nearby with a gun
2: exactly because they just <laughs> dropped it off to our Airbnb and left it on the drive and then but we, I did have a minder with a shout out to Matt yeah exactly Uh, but we blocked in but no no one would know the true value of this car as we were just driving around yucca valley because it arrived we thought god let's just take it out so we went and filled it with fuel did the shopping run in it so it was mega
0: no so the so the the sort of premise of the film was like kind of um if you listen to part one what what you were saying jethro about america and how cool it is you can just drive down the road turn off onto one of these ohv areas and just have fun legally you know use a car an off-road car especially how it's supposed to be used and that was sort of the premise you know get up nice and early crack a dawn get behind the wheel of this car drive it down the highway and then pull off and just sort of go nuts in the um in the sand dunes and and on a dry lake bed um which is i was delighted with because it's pretty much the safest place on earth to skid around a very valuable car so what is the technical breakdown (laughs) of this thing So, it starts life as a 964, obviously, um, all singers do... um, And then it
2: just gets the full, you know, if you've got a a bottomless pit of money, what can we throw at it? So, it's got a completely bespoke twin turbo uh, 3.6 flat 6 to go with, Mm. and then Tuthill just goes into their... Their parts castle yeah, on the throw, all the Gucci stuff. Yeah, anywhere possible. between
0: 450 and 600 horsepower, depending on how much you want to turn the boost up to. Um, it's got twin shocks at each corner.
2: Yeah, full FIA spec roll cage. So you could go and race Ooh, this carbon, summer. Full
0: carbon too. panels, five-speed sequential gearbox. It's almost like a modern Group
1: B sort of situation, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looked, it, I mean, it looks mad. I don't even remember the first time you saw it. It had these kind of rubber sort of fangs they're mud flaps but they came out um horizontally out the front of the car though those have sort of disappeared i think the owner must have sort of decided they weren't his bag but it's a really it's a really interesting thing because it's obviously a car that has been designed to be abused we interviewed richard tuthill when we first saw it and i was getting him to explain you know why it's got the twin shocks and why he'd chosen all these these various specs and he said oh so you can hit big things and laugh and I thought, that's that's a nice little philosophy, isn't it? So it's a car that's built to be used properly and damaged and, you know, rebuilt. And yet it's built with the most exotic materials you can get your hands on. The interior, I think, sort of exemplifies it quite nicely where it's, it's totally stripped out, FIA roll cage. You know, you've got your um, hydraulic handbrake You've got uh, your sequential gearbox, but then everything's done with the, that sort of singer level of detail and like knurling, and and you know there's there's sort of paint spatters everywhere to make it look a bit cool. But really, it's just a flat out, it's a flat out race
1: car. It's a weird so. thing, though, isn't it? Because when the reason it's so expensive, it would be expensive even if they built say fifty of them. But the reason it's really so expensive is one guy has underwritten all of the development yeah, yeah, costs yeah. for one car mm. or two cars, as it's going to turn out to be. But with that value in mind, building a car that's incredibly functional is cool. But is you know the owner? We can't reveal who it is, I guess. But is he rich enough that he can enjoy it and not even think of well, the
2: value? Well, the fact is that it arrives with paint chips everywhere, yep. some scuff wheels, the whole gaffer tape been... holding a bit of trim on. Oh, it did! Like a button right.
0: missing, and I was like, yes, he's been he's been using this properly.
2: And he sold. He, like his last words to us were. Please drive it properly. Just like, don't worry about anything. Just absolutely have at it. So we did. Yeah, so we did. did.
0: I'll be honest, um, a bit bit of trepidation in the first half of the day, but that's where we started on the dry lake bed. Yeah. Lots of just, it's not dead flat, but it's as flat as as you could hope for. Just loads of space to, you know, top speed, skid it around, get used to the car. It's really interesting because I'd actually driven the 911 Dakar probably a month or two before. And completely different, completely different. The Dakar feels like a 911, basically. That's got a t- t- teeny bit more body roll, um, and it's just a bit tougher. You know, it's basically different, especially different tyres and race suspension. Yeah, the 911 Dakar with some under- underbody protection. This is like completely different. The way it moves and rolls and everything is just, it's just on another level, um, and it's quite good fun. You know, I'm not the I'm not a skid. I'm not as quite good fun. Quite good How fun. many millions did it cost? To get, oh yeah, it's pretty good fun though. Yeah, well, I'm not. You know, there's sort of Captain Skids quite like you, but there's sort of the way on a dry lake bed on a dry lake <laughs> with bed. someone
1: else's car. Everyone
0: is Captain Skids. Yeah, a, I think yeah, that's yeah. the rules. Um, but it was well. Let, let's break it down. I think the engine um, was good. Could be more exciting. A Little bit sort of muted by the, that's the thing by the, the turbos. Go to, we,
2: we, we when you associate, you know. Singer's current work with the DLS and that crazy high revving thing. Those turbos, it's actually and and A, the amount of revs you have to play with is basically half and it's a lot Flattering. Mm. is its did it have
1: anti-lag or anything no no, no.
2: oh that's no. a shame so uh, is not that so yeah I, I was not disappointed but you know when you've had the other naturally aspirated route, really, it's, it's very different to that Yeah. but um, everything's very simple and easy with it but there's, with the sequential box yeah. again has but, a hydraulic handbrake yeah the box
0: is mega and we actually in the second half of the day we took it off sort of up into the kind of rockier sort of gnarlier bits there was some whoops mm. that was my taste of whoops except I didn't have an instructor next to me like you did I was just figuring it out for myself yeah yeah. and literally speed every time I did it 10 miles an hour more the suspension started working even better and better and better and better so it's got a sequential box as in a lever yeah. not paddles Um paddles or lever so, yeah you oh, do. Okay. The old
2: school WRC said that's low. pretty cool yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I think you know we can safely say lever better yeah yeah just just, and it feels side. more heroic it does somehow more heroic. doesn't it you and feel and like yeah, some the noise, sort of god. The, the bang when you hit the next gear oh yes yes that is definitely the way to go
1: and it's four wheel drive I assume mm-hmm and pretty pretty i mean does it feel like a dakar in any way when it's like skidding around and stuff or is no, it just really. totally different no because you
0: can skid it just on, on on sort of momentum it tips over and then we'll just sort of roll into oversteer okay um or you can use your your handbrake, which i've spanned several times yeah yeah yeah
2: it's a lot softer and it's it's jacked up it's really interesting seeing it on the road because obviously it the value of it but others you know general public don't know but they know it's interesting but it's not shouty mm. it's a really nice mix of those elements plus it's got it's got a half door because it's got the full carbon um monocoque to, to go off too and yeah. other really nice intricate details which you pick up on and some members of the public do or they don't or they just go oh that's a 911 with massive wheels and it looks quite interesting so it, it plays in this cool world where you could park on the street and no one really know yeah but also the people who do know know how special it is
0: but i do think it raises an interesting point because the sort of standard the the classic singers i think they call them now you know their sort of selling point was this the beauty the attention to detail the quality of the trim the like the craftsmanship in every tiny little component and that's what you're paying your you know half a million quid plus yeah. for you know it drives it's you know the chassis sorted the engine's great but uh for this because it's such a specific function that they want it to do the first thing you said that i Told you I'd driven it. You're like, yeah, but you could do that for 100k with with just the best bits off the shelf. Yeah, um, and that's and that kept playing on my mind because I was like, you're right, <laughs> you're bloody right. But the thing is, you you and I can't get inside the mind of a billionaire.
1: You know? Oh fuck! I wish I
0: could. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? The, the, of the dream. Of a yeah. But yeah. But you know. But it's sort of like, well, I could. You know, you could take a nine nine six.
1: In some ways. What I love about it, it once again shows the versatility of what a 911 is all about, doesn't it? On the one hand, you've got you know race cars, track cars, GT3 cars, etc. Then you've got Dakars. Then, independently, lots of people are pushing the envelope much further in all different directions. So that's super cool. On the other hand, I think it's the most pointless thing ever. Because who wants <laughs> millions of dollars tied up in a car that effectively you want to almost try and break every time you drive it? But, hearing that the owner is driving it properly, I mean, if you've got the money and that's what you want to do, then I'm not one to judge. Like, it's cool. I think it's great that there's people out there who love their cars enough, love the idea of a rally 911 enough that they're prepared to go beyond, like, a 959 Dakar car and build their own crazy thing. So, yeah, if it's being used properly, that's cool. Any car, and particularly any 911 at the minute, that's polished to death you know, has leather air vents, you know, and <laughs> God knows how much spent on all these stupid Sonderwish or whatever department. I hate all that crap. But if the guy's got that element covered, but he's also driving it properly, then yeah, I know.
0: I did that. That was a big That was a big part for it. And we didn't know whether it was going to turn up on the trailer and be absolutely pristine and we were going to crap ourselves because we wanted to take it out to the desert and drive it and we were going to, you know, feel awful. But actually, no, we saw it and we were all
2: like, yeah, we're good. We're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that they drove it to the chute yeah. That it's not a trailer queen straight away because they they did a couple hundred miles before it even had begun so uh yeah and Tut Hill drives like a lunatic so if he developed it' it's, it's gonna be good
0: yeah yeah if you um yeah go back to the 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 original film they put out with Tuthill testing it um, it's quite
2: good. I think he's driving along a beach. just a w- Welsh beach, yeah. Welsh just smashing into so absolutely smashing everything it. possible. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the R&D cost that that guy was paying for was basically Richard Tuttle <laughs> to have a really good time <laughs> in front of some cameras. But, no, it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely mega.
0: Cool. So then um, you
1: got a beer in your bonnet um, about manual gearboxes. I don't know if I got a beer in my bonnet. I mean, I think the point was, like you were talking about previously in the previous episode, America gets so much good stuff. And... Previously, when I was a kid, I remember growing up and I'd go to America and read car magazines, and they never had the good cars. They had the odd Corvette or whatever, but if they had a Porsche, it had specific American suspension that was two inches higher. If they had an M3, it had a less powerful engine, less exotic engine that was more like a standard production car. And so America got all the dregs, effectively, but now it's the biggest market in the world, biggest sports car market in the world by a mile, biggest everything market, really. And so they're getting all this good stuff. And it seems unfair that, for example, BMW will sell you a manual M3 in America, but they won't sell you one in the UK. And then when you take that to its ultimate conclusion, you end up at the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing, which is America's own version of it's sort of in between an M3 and an M5. But it's a super saloon with a supercharged 6.2-litre engine with 668 horsepower, 659 foot pounds of torque, which is just insane. And it comes as standard with a manual gearbox. Which and,
2: you can flat shift.
1: Which you can do, <laughs> no lift shift, yeah. yes. So <laughs> no lift shift. I just feel like we deserve these cars too. And we. But more than that, we wanted to. I think the premise of the film was to prove that manual was superior to automatic
2: yeah Yeah, and to do this we changed location because we've done stuff in california Mm -hmm. at the time and gone to utah we went to arizona and a place called apex motorsports Club because it is a club. Yeah. Well, again, something they do in America better than us. They have these facilities again for very wealthy people where you buy a condo, you fill it with all your cars, and then you have a track at your disposal to use any time you like. Like we go to a leisure center here. They can just go right now. I'm going to pull out my two seven five and I'll do a couple of laps. And it's 45 minutes south of Phoenix, and it's got still a very moneyed part of the world, but also very very hot. Even when we were there, so they Ooh. open the track at four in the morning, and all these business types go pull their cars out and do a track session from four till seven, and then we'll go and do a day's work. It's like the ultimate dream. It does well. The whole facility's a 40 million quid complex.
0: Yeah, I mean it was half built when we were there. The track was the track was finished. Although yeah. they were talking about a, an, an extension that was going to double the length.
2: Of yeah, it's like 4.2 track. miles yeah. long. It's a proper design track but mm. yeah these condos they're a couple of hundred thousand to even begin with i think and then there's a membership fee and various other bits but they have a full clubhouse they have mechanics you can get tires fitted when you yeah. want fuel and just live your boyhood dream at a racetrack yeah, it's a anytime like, it's a you want Bit like
0: thermal in los angeles right so, exactly
2: yeah yeah or uh what's the one on the east coast called again uh monticello, monticello. there's loads
1: aren't there yeah. but um i would say this one was uh, it's a bigger track than thermal it feels it felt proper to me mm-hmm. it was it was a really great venue
2: and where all these we were watching the condos be built uh, we just sat in the pits and had a brolly and some seats and a cool box <laughs> <laughs> we weren't living the luxurious yeah, lifestyle that everyone worry. else was but we had complete access to the track uh, and spare tires to play with so that was uh, and, all jethro and a needed cool box with some with some gate ready, yeah some it. cherry cokes and yeah. some tires is all jethro needs to to get going <laughs> it was i mean it was
1: pretty awesome and We wanted to do a comparison between the M3 and the Blackwing, which was part of it. And then we added the, like, fun element, which was, is manual better than auto? So we gave Jack an automatic car to try and compete in terms of lap time, acceleration, and also drifting.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, this is manual versus auto. I was out there to to sort of uphold the auto's honor. um, And you gave me a a, a Ford Ford Maverick Maverick. (laughs) pickup truck.
2: (laughs) One of the best-selling cars in America, Jack. Come on, 1.5.
1: I mean, it's a good, it's a good truck. It was a great <laughs> truck. Again, it was another support vehicle. Yeah, that, yeah, we, yeah. that we had, and so and we Charlie Rose it.
2: fell in love with it a little bit. Didn't yeah. It? So yeah. it is basically a dinky toy that could fit in the the Raptor R's bed, uh, pickup bed. But it was our hero of, of the shoots. Mm. But so we got onto the track test. But Jethro, t- tell us about the track. What did you think of it? Because there's some interesting sections and the most heroic. Uh, linking of drifts I've ever seen in my well, life. Why don't we just fast
0: forward to, there were various, we did. We do a drag race, we do a lap time. Yeah. Um. And then the big finale is, is Jethro trying to link together about 82 corners,
1: <laughs> sideways at the end. <laughs> yeah, that was my idea. And I immediately regretted it because we were, as usual, running out of time, weren't we? And I was like, oh wow, this is going to be quite tricky. And, Neil, who was having a mental breakdown about his drone not working, um, (laughs) after like one attempt, like the radio clicks on, uh, mate, should we just move on? This isn't working. Should we do, you know, just these two crappy little second gear corners or something? And I was like, we've been waiting all day for your drone to work, like, give me 10 minutes to try and figure out if this works.
2: And this was linking, no joke, about seven corners together yeah. uh which were getting faster and faster and there was a straight in the middle which Jethro had to then go swing one way and then the other while slowing down into a chicane to then come out and drift all the way around the final corner at full speed
1: it was an awesome but it, it took me a little while to get well, it didn't take that many goes it took a few goes but when i did the elation felt was was incredible
0: yeah it was it was awesome so so are we still on the m3 or have we moved onto the blackwing yet
1: the m3 was pretty awesome wasn't it it was good yeah I I mean didn't have the grunt. Didn't quite have the grunt. And, and this is really annoying. But in the context of this manuals, are better than autos, it would have been really useful to have a paddle shifter <laughs> to just change up and
0: down. Yeah, there's a wonderful this. section where you're sitting there going, you could, your brain going, don't don't say that because it dismantles my argument. Don't, don't say, I wish I had an auto. I could have knocked uh, that up to third and held the slide.
1: Yeah, it would have been useful to go up to, to start in second, go up to third and then probably even fourth at one point. But in the end, I had to do it all in third. But the Blackwing has the torque. So, like I said, it's got six hundred and fifty-nine foot-pounds torque at three and a half thousand RPM. It revs to about seven, so you've got this massive band that you can play. Just in higher gear, yeah. Keep it lit, so you can just keep it fully lit the whole time. But it was a left, right, long straight. And then a really fast right, left, and then another right that we were doing. And mm. so you're you're constantly either building speed or trying to shed speed whilst sideways. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I wanted to get dirt as well because you could run over the curb onto this flat bit of dirt, and it just looks cool when you can go sideways over the dirt and kick up a big cloud. And yeah, we made it in the end. And after a long hot day, I mean, it was was so forty
0: three degrees. Hot, yeah,
1: I felt really good doing
0: yeah. it. I, I think a I, bit like the um, bit like sort of me. Not dying when I did the um, the jump in the in the Bronco Raptor that and that big hold a on a genuine second. outpouring of emotion We're at
2: two different ends of the spectrum of skill needed for these two bits of <laughs> yeah. camera work
0: here. no 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 <laughs> yeah, I haven't finished my sentence yet wait a minute. Genuine moment of emotion when you when you when you did link them together in the black wing and you did got your puff of dust on the exit and you're uh, very pleased with yourself. I think you're swearing loudly at the camera in the car and then you sort of pull up and you, you're the biggest smile I've ever seen. That was a man who had who was fed up with Neil's drone. And the cameras and was just like... Done. I was
1: wounded. I was wounded when it was suggested that I wasn't going to be able to do this and therefore we should make it much simpler. And so I was absolutely uh, yeah. elated to pull it off and make Neil feel even worse about his terrible, terrible uh, yeah.
2: day. And just a, a bit of backstory because we'd all then go and celebrate together because we filmed all of this series in one go which may people may find a bit bizarre but we were a bit time short and budget short so we did it in two weeks and we'd all stay together in airbnb so it was a real family atmosphere so yep. when jethro had done that we we're like right okay it's very hot here let's go back to our Maricopa resort, and then which isn't a resort, it was just a small house where we'd share, <laughs> we'd have a beer, and then um, oh, and we discovered go out that... the same dinner that we'd had for four nights running, basically.
0: When did we have the barbecue? When did we discover that Aaron was uh, pretty handy on Aaron being um, one of the um, one of the cameramen?
1: That was our rap party. Also at the end. very skilled on the grill, he was. He was. He so was Aaron took that extremely hard. good, but yeah, it was funny. the The track is great there, isn't it? It was really cool, but it was. <laughs> The weirdest thing, it ran beside a train track, didn't it? Mm. And trains came past, and I'm not exaggerating, every four minutes.
2: And they're the American trains, which are about four miles. The, yeah, freight trains. I yeah. mean,
1: they are... It was almost like every time you looked at the horizon, there was a train. Because, like you say, they came regularly, and they, they're, they're like four miles long. And yet, when one arrived, the cameramen, it was like... A, everyone at the at the action <laughs> stations it's like red alert we we have to get the car with the train behind it yeah. i'm like you know we can't have an entire video with one train behind the car it doesn't really look very real i watched it
2: back the other day i'm not sure did we get a train in well, they did because they went out on the last day just to get the train. And we weren't even shooting any cars. <laughs> I mean, the pick up, pick excitement
1: up. over a train—I've never seen such incredible ah, excitement. It, it was tosh. very well, bizarre. You know, I think maybe that was the stage
0: where you you weren't quite linking the skids together. So they're yeah. like, "I was on the train. <laughs> Do the
1: train instead." <laughs> <laughs> I apologise to the camera crew for the 14 seconds that I delayed <laughs> their day.
0: Right, should we move on to episode 4. Yeah,
2: episode 4, this is a juicy one, isn't it?
0: Episode 4. Yeah, so this was um again on a uh, Jethro's recommendation because you've been to Moab. Um were you there, was it Top Gear America you went there? I Moab? went to
1: Moab. Yeah, with a with a previous project and yeah. I was amazed by the place. It's yeah. it's sh- I again not necessarily a rock crawling sort of person, but I was genuinely blown away by that place and what you can do around there
0: yeah yeah and it was more about the the vibes so actually the original idea was to sort of show people uh, about this town uh in utah called moab which is this sort of what would you call it they call it wheeling four wheeling what's what's it called in america this this sort of general like off-roading sort of vibes you can go out in buggies you can go out in your jeeps you can go out in your off-roaders and the, the, the idea was to just sort of show this town as like the Nürburgring of America because yeah. it's full of history. It's full of just like good time vibes, people there to just chill out and have fun and do these incredible um, sort of off-road routes that are kind of cut into these these red red mountains and canyons around about... So that was sort of it. Let's do a bit of off-roading while we're here, but let's show everyone this cool place. And then we sort of inadvertently picked pretty much the sort of scariest off-road
1: trail that America had to offer. Yeah, who recommended that to you? Because I'd been in in the past, and like you say, what I loved about it, as you drive towards it, you're in nothingness, beautiful location, and then suddenly everything you see revolves around cars, bikes, buggies, off-roaders. So it feels like you're heading into this... You're a million miles from home, but you feel like, oh, this is a place people who love cars come to enjoy themselves. And I I love that vibe. But yeah, you went for the craziest drive. available. um, So yeah,
0: so we we managed to get a a borrow car off Jeep. So it's a, a Wrangler Rubicon 4XE. So it's a dock, kind of factory car, but a, had, you know had a certain amount of Rubicon means that it's got a certain amount of off-road ability, but it's only got 35-inch tires, which isn't enormous in the, in the context of these things. And it was the 4xe, so it was the plug-in hybrid, but that's fine. it has got, it's got enough torque for for But also, around. this is
2: Jeep land. Like Moab is oh, yeah. like the epicenter. It's like a religion. Of, yeah, Jeep there. world, and they hold their Easter Jeep Safari each yeah. year there, so, which is where they have concept cars and everyone crawls over these rocks together. Something again we'd never. Do in the uk
0: yeah so they put us in touch with a um uh like a guide company because you know i'm screwed if i'm going out there on my own yeah. you know we needed some professional help to get around these things and yeah we we, we 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 zoomed the um the owner of the company before we headed out and he just sort of suggested a few and literally he just went oh you know uh, what was it it's like spider's web cliffhanger or something else and i said cliffhanger sounds good you know it'd be fine, wouldn't it? And he was like, Yeah, sure, it'd be absolutely fine, it'd be great. So that's so that's what we did. We, we decided we were going to go and do, go out and do cliffhanger.
2: Now, you asked, What car are you in? and we said, Oh, we're in stock, yeah, stock roof car. So, oh, that'll be fine. So we said, Oh, well, he you know, he knows more than we do, he yeah. will be absolutely fine.
0: And uh, yeah, well, first of all, just utterly beautiful. Like, coming into the town, all those vibes that you just talked about, yes, everyone's there to enjoy cars, talk about cars and have fun and then once you just literally drive out the back end of the town round the corner and you're up into these canyons and it's just spectacular and then literally we're there at the start of this thing and the first thing is this huge set of steps that descends down i mean if i was if i was there without jim who was the um the, the sort of lead guide on this thing beckoning me down and saying yeah yeah you're good you're good you're good and there's no way I would have pointed the nose down that and that was like the mildest obstacle of the day which is just sort of trundling down these steps anyway and then we go around and then we hit that first obstacle the first really big one which was essentially I mean you'll see it on the video but it's it's sort of like a three and a half four foot high vertical wall of rock that he seemed to think for some reason, I could just drive up. So there's a brilliant shot. Um, props to Charlie for getting this one, where he sort of beckons me forward. Come up, come up, come up, come up, expecting the wheels to sort of purchase, and the fr- and the sort of the grill of the car just goes eh. just really like unceremoniously into this rock. And I'm like, the physics don't work, Jim. And he's like, no, no, no. So you sort of pile up a few rocks just to get your, you know, if you can get one wheel can get some purchase then it can haul um the entire car up and yeah so that that obstacle they managed to we managed to sort of get halfway up and then it kind of slid sideways and then i kind of got wedged between two rocks (laughs) and then there's the car's sustaining damage
1: yeah you destroyed this wrangler
0: no no um cliffhanger destroyed this wrangler actually so but but that
2: was their attitude it's like you hit, you're, you're full willing, baby. You've got to do this. You've got to take some knocks like, and like, dent some panels. And I
1: mean, When I did it, I was stunned at what... I was in a standard vehicle too, a Jeep actually, and I was stunned at the stuff it can go up. Stuff that you could not crawl up yourself on your hands and knees. Mm. These things will drive yeah. up. And yeah. it's like magic. It's insane but, what you can do. But the limitation is the height between the floor and your diff at the back, and that's yep. what you
0: realise. And that's why just a silly set of tyres gives you all that extra clearance and the the Jim's sort of guide car had I don't know how big his tyres were 37's quite large they must have been 39 40, 40 inches plus and he was just just going over stuff like
1: it wasn't even there you know? so when you got to the top and back down what did you do just burn the car <laughs>
2: <laughs> just set it on fire nah, the poor delivery man I with just, his little sheet of like inspecting damage he may as well just shredded the sheet
0: nah, I, think. Just, I just left it at the top <laughs> just sort of left the keys in the ignition monument to right. where that's no way that's it's making weird. it back down again that, th- there was a genuine moment at the top because I assumed there was some sort of you get to the top and then there'd be this gentle loop to come back round or something because like, nature does no, that you have to do a three point turn on top of the world Uh, and literally go back the way you came. Now the reason it's called the cliffhanger this trail is there's an obstacle called the cliffhanger which is there's a uh, there's a path just a few meters wide uh, a thousand foot drop on one side and then it's essentially a staircase of sort of four foot high steps and boulders to get down with that drop on your left. Now because we all knew this was the money shot for the for the video and for the magazine feature. We were like, Yeah, Jim, you just go through it, you go up ahead. We don't want you, you know, cluttering up the shot. So oh. Jack, you can basically do this thing on your own. So yeah, I mean, I was literally at the top of this thing again, <laughs> crapping myself, crapping myself quite a few times during this during this shooting. And just just went off. There was no there was no other way of doing it than just sort of sending it. In a controlled manner, um, and and it went down, and it scraped, and it bumped, and it smacked, and eventually the the tires hit the bottom. But there's a there's a moment caught on camera, isn't there? I'll, I'll let you describe.
2: No, I'll because... employ. Please watch the YouTube video if you want to see a grown man look like he wants to scream. Mummy, it's when <laughs> it's when he's going down this cliffhanger because he is absolutely petrified. No. Um, so yeah, go and watch the YouTube video now. Think, but we did
0: I, get to the bottom. I think the the words came
1: out and asked this, "This isn't right." This isn't right. And then, and then it just—do you feel in genuine peril? Because I, nah, I sh- it is pretty scary when you're doing off-roading and there's a drop because the car can lurch for, as it's going yeah, over yeah, each yeah, yeah. boulder. It can lurch from side to side, and it feels pretty sketchy. Do you know? What? I'm I'm generally
0: generally pretty good at like adren- adrenaline sports. I've done a load of bungee jumps in my life. I've done like um, skydives. You know, I don't really. As long as there's some sort of safety. Element or somebody's done it before and proved that it can be done. I'm sort of like it'll be fine, and I quite enjoy that adrenaline, that sort of natural adrenaline rush that kicks into your body anyway, even if your brain's going, you got this. Your stomach starts doing something else. Yeah. So I think no, deep down I knew I wasn't going to die, but I was, I was absolutely pumped full of adrenaline. Um, and it's quite a feeling when we're, we had a sandwich at the top
2: well it was we, we were doing the pre-production speaking to this guy and we said you know how how big is this drop and what was the quote that he had oh he said well, let's just
0: say if you fall off you'll have time to read a book on the way
2: down <laughs> 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 which uh, the guys jeep the guys from jeep on the call they they went a bit pale and sweaty when they saw that on the zoom call so yeah, yeah that was so, that.
0: Yeah, it was it was such a mega experience and actually that that ex- whole experience really the town was great but that Felt like we got under the skin of the place, and the guides were Jim and his team were absolutely spectacular and great fun, and you know, always keeping a sense of humor with everything. And then we met a load of people on the trail as well, including a load of like tourists that were on their way down, going, "Well, we're not doing that one again," and we're <laughs> like,
1: "What? What? Why?" <laughs> <off we> go. <laughs> but it's another place. well I've talked about the ultimate stag do at the last one, but I, when I was in Moab, I remember really clearly driving up some ridiculous cliff face and thinking, I want to bring my kids here because they wouldn't believe... Not only do you get to do this crazy stuff in a Jeep or whatever you happen to be in, the places it takes you the scenery is obscene. Like, it doesn't feel... Ri- it looks like you're looking at some sort of... Um, Hollywood set. Yeah, yeah, like, or some virtual reality world. Right. It doesn't feel... real ri- It's like a universe has been built in front of you <laughs> for a movie or whatever. And the fact you can do it and have all that adrenaline at about two miles an hour, by yeah. the way, as you're climbing up these obstacles, I think it's great. I, I really want to go back.
0: Yeah, so I think our follow-up feature in Moab should be, um, as we discovered, that there are off-road recovery trucks. So if you really get in trouble or you get a puncture or you, you know, snap an axe or whatever you do, then there are trucks that will come up these, up these uh, routes and uh, up these trails and recover you. I mean, I haven't seen one. What on earth
1: do they look like? What, they tow you down?
2: All all their flatbeds, yeah, you can put them on the back of them. They're they're absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We need to drive one of those. (gasps) Wow. Yeah, that sounds
0: cool. Yeah, Yeah. okay. You go up and get stranded. Okay, well, I'll come and like, am
1: pretty you. sure I can manage yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, so, we'll
2: do that. so at this point we'd uh, we'd split the the crew in half because half went up to Utah, and then Jeffrey, myself, Neil, and Aaron we we stayed in L.A. or went to L.A. to go to someone's garage. So while you were looking at the most spectacular scenery in the world, we were under a, a pretty special car in someone's home-built garage. And then
1: even better, we got to go to Willow Springs. So you're you're in one of the, the small most, track. Yeah, yeah, one of the most <laughs> beautiful places in the world, and we're in Willow Springs, which is. An extremely cool place, but one of the most run-down uh, race circuits you could ever find.
2: Because you said when you were at Top Gear America, because you've done a lot of filming there, there is never a nice, enjoyable day weather-wise at Willow. It's either windy, <laughs> hot, cold, hot, yeah, windy. It,
1: it's normally scorching hot or freezing cold. And if it's not one of those two things, the wind is so strong, it'll almost knock you over and you you just always want to leave. That's my experience. It's, the tracks are actually really cool, but... Um, yeah, you you do want to leave that
2: place. They're pretty old school, aren't they? Because they're just in the middle of nowhere in the desert. There's nothing to hit because there's um uh, well there's nothing around. But when you do go off the track, they're just sand, rocks, everything you else. You, no hit, gravel track.
1: You wouldn't hit anything. Uh, but unfortunately you would flip over several times and be crushed <laughs> to death because yeah. yeah as soon as you're two feet off the track or a foot off the track you're into dust gravel rocks i would never want to fall off there and the big track is incredibly high speed like there's a corner at the end turn as you go into turn eight and nine where you are if you're in something really quick like a mcLaren you're doing 150 as you turn in and if you do run wide you are you're gonna die like it's it's fairly simple
2: you literally drop off the circuit though because it's just a <laughs> shelf that you go off first and then you dig it and then you roll and die so yeah, it's yeah. a
1: different sort of cliffhanger
2: yeah but right. we were there to see the ruffian mustang which is a pretty um, impressive bit of kit and it's not a big manufacturer by any way of um, um, stretch of the imagination it's the dream of one man chris chris ashton
1: yeah, so you'd previously gone and met Chris, hadn't you? So his backstory is that he's a software got, had a software company, created some games, which I don't know, but include Counter-Strike, Left 4 Dead, and Back for Blood. I'm lifting this directly from Rowan's story. But they're, the they're, they're
2: big ones. They're, big, they're, they're games that make you a lot of money, so you can start building your own cars, which is the important thing.
1: Yeah, so he sold his uh, company, he still works there, he's probably on some sort of earn-out where he'll earn a trillion pounds, but it gave him free time he loved old mustangs he loved the trans am racing series and he does a lot of autocross in his spare time he's actually got a load of cool supercars uh, autocross cars etc so he decided to build a mustang so a 1970 mustang with the trans am racer look that would compete in autocross for him so it's got the look it's got the car that he loves and it's got the function which is um, autocross And what you need for autocross is, I guess, a lot of grip and a lot of agility. A 1970 Mustang does not feel like the right car to be beginning your autocross project. But he's created this thing that looks like a rendering, is handmade by him with an English wheel, like old school style, but actually performs in a way that I was not expecting at all. It's really, really good.
2: Because he, being a video game genius, basically, he lives so much of his life digitally that when he wasn't at work, he just wanted to do the ultimate analogue thing, Mm. which is rolling a piece of metal back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, to make these amazing wide arched, Uh, this wide arch car which as Jethro said a 1970s Mustang isn't the best thing for agility so all his solution to this was just throw rubber at it because it has the widest tires that I've ever seen on a Mustang and Jethro's love of going sideways I thought this is a problem because you've got so much rubber on the ground but as soon as we got to the track we learned that wasn't a problem
1: (laughs) well the weird thing was, this was the one I wasn't looking forward to because I saw it and I was like, oh man, it looks like an Instagram car to me. Uh, it looks like all style, no substance. I didn't know too much of the backstory. It's got 315 section front tires, 345 rears, and it's on Toyo r 888 So they're like almost slick tires. But on the flip side, it has a Chevy engine. So Ford fans would be upset. So it's got a 427 carb. What's it called? The LS... LS 427, 625 horsepower, 560 foot-pounds, dry sump, six-beam manual box from a Camaro, modern Camaro, pretty short gearing.
2: With a pistol grip.
1: I love the pistol grip shifter. Yeah, <laughs> I did not expect that, but it actually feels great. It's got a torsen and limited slip differential. So my assumption was it would either be utterly crap, and every time I turn the wheels, it would rub the arches, mm. it would just be a disaster, or... It would be relatively precise just because of how much tire it's got on it and stiff suspension, but would have no handling. So it would grip, it would grip, and then it would fire you off. Uh, and that'd be the end of it. I didn't expect any subtlety, any nuance to the experience. And it's a homemade thing built by a bloke in his shed effectively. And it turned out to be just a beautiful handling car. Like the engine is stunning, sounds great absolutely wild thing but the chassis had a delicacy and a balance that i didn't expect and so pretty soon i mean chris was pretty cool um i started off slow but it didn't take very long before i was just ripping the car around this little track because it it felt so at home doing it and we were on a little tight track which is almost like autocross anyway and it was just agile easy to drive it would spin up the rear wheels when you wanted to It would grip when you wanted to the brakes worked i was like how has one dude built a car that has this level of polish? It was really mega. I loved driving it.
2: And like we were saying about the ACS, ACS earlier, the detail that it, this man has put into this car yeah. in every single aspect, from where the fuel cell is to the battery to the finish to the fasteners, it's an amazing thing to draw over. And it looks sensational. And then the fact that it drove so well. Yeah, it, was like the the perfect, pack, it was like the perfect American so what muscle were you, car.
0: What were you doing while Jethro was driving it so well? Were you sort of
2: distracting Chris
0: Chris, come over here. No, he them. loves seeing it. Was...
2: Him. No, Jethro came in and goes, You've got to have a go. So I went and had a go too. <laughs> so then and then it got to the end of the day and we thought we, Chris should probably have a go and then it ran out of fuel. So <laughs> sorry Chris.
0: Too late, we're off we're
1: off, mate. He poured seventeen hundred man is man he, hours into this. So thing. is he
0: is he building these? I imagine, you know, if this car's insta famous that you must have celebs who, who want one, you know. Uh uh, is he is he going to build a run of them or is it just for him and everyone can go away?
2: Well, that's the thing. As Jeffrey said, it's a very Instagram-friendly car. It looks so beautiful and as soon as he started posting there, it got a bit of traction. He had NBA players, shakes, etc. And it's his thing, so he doesn't want to sell it. However, he has started this brand called ruffian where he's offering this look it's not just going to be one make or model that he'll he's focus done a Ford on gt as well hasn't he? he's done a four gt and some more stuff but we should get onto the four gt because it's a super performance gt40 mm. which then has this crazy kind of like cyberpunk look to it which we again we went to his place to have a look around and the the finish on that is a very different thing but again has the same philosophy of kind of has to be you know uh, autocross happy so and lots of rubber lots of wide arches yeah. but you know he's 3d printing the headlights himself he's making bespoke um manifolds for himself and putting a coyote engine in it and then making it work with a gearbox that it's not meant to work with it's just crazy engineering from someone who's got no background in it and just watches youtube videos and works it out
1: I mean, I can't even put up a set of curtains in my house. <laughs> I know. It's it's annoying that he developed computer games, made tons of money, and then decided, I'll do the complete opposite thing. Oh, and he did it really beautifully. It's incredible, really. Quite jealous. Yeah. He, Quite jealous. He's a, he's a good guy. And he was he was really interesting because he just liked a lot of different stuff. And I, I liked that. So he'd taken all, you know, he had McLarens and Lambos and, uh, you know, other modern American stuff. And he'd poured all of that, Knowledge into creating something which I think is why it ended up so good.
2: And he's just done a Galaxy for this year's SEMA which is just an absolute wild thing. Well, you, you can't really predict what he's going to do next because they're all quite different things but they're all amazing and get about a bazillion Instagram what, likes. Ford Galaxy MPV? No, no, not that one. No, no, not that, that one. one. The, oh. the original kind of mad... <laughs> that muscle car but yeah. you can't
0: you can't predict what chris is gonna do <laughs>
2: but jethro's the first one to drive it so yeah go watch the youtube film because awesome. uh yeah for those impressions of what it's like to drive and god that made a good noise too it really did make a good noise yeah god, you we, should watch it we need a more american v8s in our life
0: nice should we move on to episode five now our final episode the season finale so we're back to the track in arizona Oh, we are. Yes. We are. So this was a battle. trains. <laughs> trains. Get the, get
1: the train. <laughs> Someone get the what? The same train? Like another? There's another one coming yeah,
0: along. We can use it in this film too. So this one was GR Corolla, Toy, Toyota GR Corolla versus Subaru BRZ. The premise being that there are car again, there are very special cars that America gets that we don't, and in this case, cars that we know for a fact would sell well. In the UK, so um, a bloody hot hat for Christ's sake, Americans don't like those, do they? I know, I those are back. so yeah, a, 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 a GR Corolla is basically GR Yaris
1: engine turned up with a Corolla size. body, with yeah. Corolla and body. we had the Maritza edition, so it's two seats, really hardcore, it's got track pack, so it's it mirrors the spec, uh, in terms of the diffs, etc. Mm. As the GR Yaris is a bit bigger, a little bit heavier, which sounds bad, but. In some ways, it helps it because it, it makes the car a tiny bit less locked down. Yeah. So you can start to use the size and the weight to make the car take some attitude, which is fun on the track. Yeah. And then we had the Subaru BRZ. BRZ. Which yeah. is a GR86. It's a GR86. Is slightly really retuned. You, you could feel that it was a slightly different car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. But mainly, it's badge. Um, but yeah, yeah,
0: two two fantastic cars that we didn't get. And so the idea was to build a sort of cohesive argument for why they should bring them to the UK immediately. I mean, I haven't had any phone calls. I'll be honest, from Toyota HQ or Subaru HQ, saying they're they're
1: on the on the boat over. The funny thing is, it would sell out. Yeah. That that Corolla would sell out. And I know it's just effectively like a slightly bigger, different version of the Yaris, but the Yaris was so popular, it would sell out. And we know the Toyota GR86 pretty much sold out. So the Subaru would do the same. It's like there's this weird perception that if you build performance cars, and you read it a lot in car magazines, it drives me insane, where people are like, well, it's only people like us who like them. And it's like, well, look at Porsche. They bring out a car with a manual box. They can't build them fast mm-hmm. enough and people are paying 200 grand over mm-hmm. Uh, Toyota bring out GR86 sells out Yaris same thing The this is a pattern and it's it could be sustained and continued by other yeah. manufacturers yeah it's interesting and even, even you look
0: at something like the Honda Civic Type R which they've now kind of they've turned into a bit of a sort of niche product They they've whacked up the price to 50 grand they've they're only importing you know a few into the UK, and they're sort of saying, "Yeah, a few, a few, um, enthusiasts will like this car, but but not everyone." And and then it sells out. So I don't know. I feel like we should be running car companies, not
2: yeah, not writing about. I them. actually prefer- I don't know how you felt about this, Jethro but I prefer the Corolla to the Yaris, especially in that on that track too, because that Maritzo edition comes with the Cup Two rubber. And we had a very nice, warm day, too. So it was absolutely glued warm. wherever you went. But 42 degrees. Well, it's <laughs> hot. <laughs> but, uh, Unless there was a train there, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. But that with the gearbox, it was so fun to throw around the circuit. And I just thought if this was in the UK, not that you'd want the two-seat example to live with every day, but it'd be a better package to have in the UK. And
1: it was even better on the road, I thought. When we took it away, we did the whole video on the track, and it was great. It was cool on the track. But when we took it on the road on the way back to the house and stuff, I it felt really... Really, really good i really enjoyed it
2: it made the coolest noises too yeah absolutely where you wanted to go old school you know jdm spirited turbo blasts and various and, and whistles and chirps amazing and then the brz was just the sweetest
1: handling thing like it was just such a joyous thing and we'd had obviously the cadillac and the m3 there. both brilliant cars and we loved that m3 manual didn't we mm. which was a surprise in some ways because it's the lower power one but the DRZ was just such a lovely thing to slide around. A, a monkey could slide that car
0: around. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I I do you
1: know it was so long ago, I can't even remember
0: the setup. It was something like: here's another reason that um, you should bring it to the UK, because you know, it can make drift gods of even billies like this bloke cut to Jack. Jeff going, right, start here you know, drift all the way around this left hand, a transition here, around this tight right, yeah, well, whatever he did. Set up a basically an impossible drift. Type. I don't think Lewis Hamilton could have done it, to which I sort of, you know, spin about eight times, nearly cry, and then he calls me an idiot, and then he does it second time. You know, that's that's mainly how these
1: things oh, went. What a great
0: day it was. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: and then we sent you back out into the sun to get sunstroke. It straight. would have been fun yeah.
0: if there wasn't so many cameras pointed
1: at me.
2: <laughs>
1: you actually did pretty well. I... The car lives. just had so much balance. It was yeah, yeah. such a lovely thing. And
2: it's absolutely tiny when you've been used to, you know, at this point we're at the end of two weeks in America where you get used to the scale of everything and you get into this little slipper. of a th- And it's just unbelievable to have and play around with. So um, yeah, it's very cool. jealous we don't get that.
0: Yeah, and it's a car that writes sort of a lot of the wrongs of the old one that was still quite lovely. And when it came out, we, we sort of raved about it. Um, that's the original GT86 and BRZ. And this one's just got a bit more torque. A bit more torque. And, yeah, engine... I would
1: say it wasn't quite as precise at the front end, maybe, as the Toyota. But I actually felt the balance when, when you were sliding it around was just so good. It was great. I don't know why they don't sell it here. There d- there seems to be no good reason. Mm. They probably just go, well, that, you know, a couple of boatloads of
0: GR86s will mop up the interest. But they sold out within 90 minutes. I yeah. think the fir- first load sold out in 90 minutes. It's like. Surely an alarm bell was ringing somewhere.
2: They're like, no, funny... there's some crossovers we can sell. Bring more of those over, please. So.
1: <laughs> it's a funny company, though, isn't it? Because in America, they still seem to really want to channel the fun element of the cars they make. They still do um, WRXs. There's this huge culture that still supports those cars, which has been left to wither and die in the UK, and it just doesn't exist anymore. And the BRZ could be the car to, like, reintroduce Subaru to enthusiasts and make people realise it's not just Colin McRae. But yeah. they just they won't do it.
2: Yeah, no. it's weird. Subaru USA are so cool. A, for us to deal with, but they're yeah. up for everything. But the product they have there, you know, you've got the Hux for Christ's sake, which if you haven't heard about, go to episode one. That's one end. Whereas, yeah, in the UK, we get the most boring things possible. I've,
0: I've totally lost track of, of what Subarus are, what, you know, Foresters and the like. It's just, they all just blend into one. But they've still
1: got all this WRC legacy built in.
0: All yeah, this and they still, equity,
1: and they still build cars to that formula. We just don't get them. It doesn't make sense to me. Cool. Right. Should we move on to the final film?
2: Yeah, from a racetrack, high speed driving, and well, to lots. another race. Oh, to well. another
0: race. This was uh, an absolute nail biter. So, if you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't um, know already, so we had this idea a while back actually for um, for a feature called Mental Rental. So Hertz and Sixth and probably another a number of other rental companies will rent you ludicrously powerful cars for not very many dollars in America. Uh, and actually, the craziest of them all was the um, it's the Shelby GT500H. So this is basically based on the the Shelby GT500, but it's made specifically for Hertz. And uh, they tickle the engine up to 900 horsepower. It's got a few other. Few other goodies on it. Um, the sort of
1: iconic Hertz black uh, black livery with gold stripes. And there's history here, isn't there? Because yeah. back in the day, Hertz had GT350s. I guess it was, yeah. mm-hmm. and famously, people would hire them for the weekend, fit them with roll cages, race them, and then take the roll cage out, take them back, and they'd have holes in the floor, etc. So yeah. there, there's like a legacy that you're or continuing,
0: even, uh, as I discovered. Just remove the engine wholesale, put in a put in a standard block and then uh, hand them back and hope no. One... <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but all of this thing, it was, it was, so it was known as the, the rent racer. They've done three or four of them over the years, this being the latest version. And so, you know, the obvious conclusion is we need to get one of these, we need to hire one of these cars and take it racing. So we got in touch with Hertz. Yes, yes, yes. Lovely idea. Yes, we can find you one of those cars, but under no circumstances, can you take it anywhere near a racetrack or in any, type of race environment or all sorts of law will rain down on your heads. Which is a shame. Which was a shame. Um, so then we had to go back to the drawing board. So, so well, f- for me, if we were going to have the Rent-A-Racer, we had to take it racing. But how can you race a car that you can't take... Uh, that you can't take on a
2: racetrack or actually enter into any other sort of road race. Well, we're thinking like the Silver State Classic or one of those. Yes. You know, America has, obviously, options to go and drive really fast on the road if you need to in a yeah. rental car.
0: So it turns out where, the, the place that we could get one of these was in New York. Cool. Great um, start. Yeah, really good start. Um, and uh, so anyway, I found out that the um, elite male record for the New York Marathon is about two minutes. I'm going to get my numbers wrong here but it's two two hours something two hours five minutes something like that if you put the route of the new york marathon into google maps leaving at the same time that the marathon starts it should take you about two hours three minutes or something is what is what it told you so can you do can you beat an elite male runner on the new york marathon course when you've got a 900 horsepower muscle car
2: so is your 900 horsepower muscle car faster than a skinny canyon basically yes it is right if there isn't any traffic <laughs> and you're not driving through manhattan
0: and if trump doesn't have his um uh, it was his. There was. He was in court, wasn't he? Mm. Donald Trump. We got stuck in traffic for about half an hour around Central. His indictment Park because he was leaving Trump Tower for his indictment hearing. So yeah, long story short. But it was. But it was great fun.
1: I, I tell you what. It was, no, it wasn't. You liar. Yeah. <laughs> it can't have been fun. You were no. sat in traffic for like three hours. It was quite it was stressful.
2: Three times because we had to do it three times to So get basically, the what ships. happened
0: was we we set off to try and beat the male elite time. To uh, and then as as we watched our sort of ETA slipping, we're like quick someone google what's the female elite elite time and it was about you know two and a half hours that's brought us half an hour that one slipped by and I was like quick someone google what a celebrity did it um did it in last year Ashton Kutcher did it in about three hours 45 minutes right we'll beat Ashton Kutcher so I think we did it in about three and a half hours and um it didn't get anywhere near the elite times but it was a lovely tour of the five boroughs of New York.
2: Oh yeah, I had uh, I was in the camera car behind, and twenty six point two miles is a long way. And I thought, God, this is a long way for somewhere to run, someone to run, uh, especially Jeffrey Mutai, he does it in two hours. Yes. But then it was the traffic got heavier and heavier, and it got worse and worse and worse. And then we got to the end, and then we had to go back to the start again and retrace our steps to pick up all the camera She's positions it all again. Yeah. So yeah, don't was,
0: worry. Some. Expert editing from uh, Charlie Rose <laughs> on that one condenses it all down. So uh,
2: 12 so, seconds yeah, of yeah. action. You lost your call cool. was one of the rare times that you were. Did I never oh, lose? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, you're getting a we bit. Well, not, we not, not 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 massive. You didn't throw. What you with the, you? Toys like the no, just in general with the situation of being <laughs> stuck around Central Park, and again, it just being a bit too hot, and well, the Mustang wasn't bloke. the easiest thing to to drive in the city. Being but Was that, that manual load. gearbox as well, or auto? oh no they're twin
1: clutch aren't they yeah it wasn't yeah. the finest example it no. felt like a rental car yeah. let's just say that i knew
0: that <laughs> yeah no they dial that in they yeah that, that's they get they get the gt500 out of the factory and they yeah and just sort of smack it about a bit make it, it worse yeah until it starts rattling well
1: thank you um from the bottom of my heart that you didn't ask me to do that is all i can say <laughs> i'm well, very very appreciative <laughs>
2: yeah, we've got we've got something to set you yeah. off with can you beat jack's time in the mustang it was quite interesting
0: actually so sort of, we, we had this sort of Long list of ideas for this series, and um, you know, obviously, you your your suggestion say, "Look, you got to do Moab," that kind of bred the 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 Jeep uh, Jeep film. Um, but uh, there were certain cars that I thought, "Oh, we've got to give one of these to. We've got to give Jethro something he absolutely hates," and mainly that's just give him an electric car. Uh, so uh, if we hadn't shot the Hummer about eight months before. <laughs> Before we went to America, I would have loved to give you one of those. Yeah, I what you got away with it. If we do it all over again, what car would you
1: really not like to drive? Oh. Toyota Prius? That um, SF90XX looks terrible, so just definitely <laughs> don't put me in that. I don't want to drive any of those really powerful Hennessy supercars, the F5. I'd never want to drive something like that. Okay, that's fine, um, yeah. No Hellcats. Yeah, nothing, nothing really awful like that. Okay.
2: But also, there's, there are so many... American cars being produced. It does feel like they're at the end of something. And we've got the end of the Dodge Challenger. So there's plenty of Hellcats that could be done there to be celebrated. So if we yep. were to do a season two, we're well, not short of cars to there's drive. There's
0: Demon, a Demon 170 with the parachute on the back.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd hate that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd hate that more. <laughs> yeah, I think, as we said before, the place is so big, the market is so big, and the diversity of what they are offered... Is so much greater than what we have currently that we should definitely go back.
0: And then there's all the, and then there's the car culture. So you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be new cars. You know, there's just so much to dig into. I know, Rowan, you've 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 been around Houston,
1: few car
2: cultures. I'm sure we can. There's some people we can meet. There's some people we can meet. And now that you, you have Rick a new, Ross?
1: now that you have a new staff member called Ben Pullman, who is the Terminator when it comes to organising everything and anything you yeah. know you can get this sorted in no time well
0: we, we, I, I tell you what stick around after this podcast we'll make a list of what we want to drive Ben will have it sorted
1: by tomorrow morning I think yeah.
2: <laughs> go <laughs> filming up <after> to Christmas
1: <laughs> Lovely. beware PRs yes. incoming calls and texts abound. but Brilliant.
2: thanks everybody if you, uh, you know the whole point of recording is please go and watch the videos that's what these are all about so uh, and stay tuned to the podcast for plenty more coming and uh, yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel because hopefully there will be some more cars and stripes to come. Cool.
1: Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Good. Catch you on the next one thank you
0: for listening to the top gear magazine podcast hope you enjoyed that and don't forget to subscribe to leave us a review to leave us a star rating
2: but also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make and also there's some new audio tidbits coming so like chat says subscribe